Crick Crick at the bottom. What a what a what a two weeks it's been. <laughs> Small way to put it. It's like I'm really happy about some shit, and I think we know what I'm like super disappointed about. But you know, which we will get to in episode two fifty seven uh, of, or sorry, two forty seven, four twenty seven. <laughs> I can read. 427 of the Afford Affair podcast. I'm Edward Green, everyone. Joined by my calling crime, Wes Bradshaw, back for a full episode this week. Um, and we have plenty to talk about. Of course, week two of the Premier League is in the books. We will be discussing all that was, and we will be trying not to, to shake hands too hard after the podcast. Um, no, no, no. No. And uh, we'll also have a little bit of transfer news to talk about. Uh, a few thing, a few other little news and notes. Uh, we'll pimp the athletic, hit the watch for, and call it a pod. Um, so, with that, let's describe the week that was in the Premier League. Match week two in the books. Uh, and start off... Oh boy, the more, the more things change from last season, the more, the more things stay the same, I guess, in some places. Aston Villa 2, Everton 1... Uh, Danny Ings and Emmanuel Bungia with the two goals in the match for Aston Villa to put things away. A Lucas Digne own goal was all Everton could even half muster in this match as Everton continue their winless start to the season. As Aston Villa picks up their first W of the campaign. Uh, Arsenal still out to a flying start as they beat Leicester 4-2. Gabriel Jesus with a 35-minute brace in the match. Uh, Leicester did score a pair of goals to cut the lead to two. A pair of, or cut the lead to one, I'm sorry. A pair of times. Arsenal restored the lead quickly after in both instances as they were able to get a 4-2 win as that's two wins on the trot for the Gunners. Uh, Speaking of four goal matches, Man City four, Bournemouth nil. Uh, City never appearing to actually get out of second gear in this one as the three goals in the first 37 minutes from Gundogan, De Bruyne, and Foden pretty much locked things up against the Cherries. Uh, they did add an own goal later on in the match, but this was all City all the time. Uh, at the St. Mary's, it was Southampton with a comeback victory over Leeds. Uh, two second half Rodrigo goals were canceled out by a 72nd minute goal from Arribo. And then Tottenham product Kyle Walker Peters, the 81st minute equalizer, got Southampton a point at their home park. Uh, Wolves, Fulham, and Brighton and Newcastle all drew nil nil. So just take our word for it, that has happened. And then to cap it off on Saturday. Mmm. I, every time I read this, I think it's wrong. And no, no, it's it, it happened. I, I, I saw it. Didn't lie to me. Brentford. Manchester United nil with all four goals coming in the first 35 minutes. Absolutely insane seems at the G tech. Just I. We'll we'll be talking about this one. I think you all knew we would have thoughts on this one. Um, elsewhere on Sunday, uh, Nottingham Forest with a big win over West Ham. Uh, 1-0 Awanyi with the 45th minute goal in stoppage time of the first half. Uh, gets the win for Nottingham Forest. Welcome back to the Premier League Forest. 
for their first win of the season. And then the handshake heard around the world. Some other things. Chelsea to Tottenham Hotspur to Spurs escape the Battle of the Bridge with a point as Harry Kane's 96th minute header steals the point for Spurs and gets them past their bogey team with a point that they would not normally get. Uh, we'll, I'm sure, also be talking about that match as well. And then on Monday Night Football on NBC Sports to close things off, uh, Crystal Palace got off to a half-hour lead as Wilf Zaha scored in the 32nd minute. Liverpool then went down a man as their new leading man, Darwin Nunez, lost his composure and did his best Zinedine Zidane impersonation and got himself red-carded with a headbutt, or chin-butt, because the height disparity, uh, as he was given a goal from Luis Diaz in the 61st minute, got Liverpool the point that they needed to escape with. And that was the week that was. Um, so Wes, obviously, some, some normal matches. Again, you know, City just casually destroying lower lower Premier League level teams. It, it, it happens. Um, a lot of crazy matches, though, too. Where would you like to start? Well, I'll tell you what, Ed. Let's go ahead and get this Liverpool draw off my chest. Okay. okay. And, uh, and then we can move on to, I mean, I'm not trying to sound like a prick, but, you know, there was some more interesting things yeah. <laughs> that happened around the league. Um, Liverpool won. Uh, Crystal Palace won. Oh, goodness sakes. Where to begin? For the second week in a row, uh, Liverpool dropped points early in the season, uh, doing exactly what they don't need to do if you want to stay in a title race with the rampant Manchester City. Um, Liverpool somewhat wasteful in the match. So here's the difference that, two, that a week makes against Fulham – Fulham, strangely, Fulham controlled a lot of that match. They were the team on the front foot. Liverpool looked sluggish, looked behind. Liverpool were in control for most all of this match against Manchester City. Um, They looked much better than a week ago, but just couldn't really get anything to get into the net. Uh, They were not clinical at all in the final third. Um, a, a, a textbook Crystal Palace counterattack ending with a Zaha goal because, you know, honestly, that's what Zaha does best. Uh, they take the 1-0 lead, and then it just, you know, at that point, of course, everyone in God's creation knows exactly what Palace is doing. You're dropping everybody <laughs> behind the ball, yeah. defending for your life. Um and they, they did a really good job of it for a long time. They frustrated Liverpool. Um, they flustered them. They didn't, they didn't let them do everything they wanted to. Uh, when Liverpool got chances, and Crystal Palace were there getting a foot in, just, just doing just enough to keep them out. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then uh, the whole Darwin Nunez Fiasco happens. Uh, Nunez headbutts the Palace player whose name escapes me at the moment. But apparently, this was going. This is actually something that started 
Yeah. Uh, back in that preseason match that uh, mm-hmm. Liverpool and Palace played against each other. So this is kind of a little bit of a running war. Uh, Nunez justifiably sent off. Um, Liverpool is, is looking like it's going to be a very, very dark day early in this season. And then the guy who's been getting a little bit of shtick recently, oh, uh, why is Diaz kicking in with anything? Well, fuck y'all, Diaz kicked in. Uh, <laughs> Luis Diaz scores an absolute worldie of a goal. Fantastic goal from uh, the Colombian. Um, Liverpool looked to be on the front foot, down down a man, and Liverpool were really on the front foot playing very well. Um, kind of fizzled out toward the end. They were unable to find the winner. And the match ends 1-1. So Liverpool with two points through two matches. Um, an injury list that is not looking too hot at the moment. Uh, and now facing three matches without the big summer signing in Darwin Nunez. Uh, still no uh, firm date on the return of Diego Jota. Roberto Firmino is walking wounded. So Liverpool, who made the decision to let Sadio Mane go in the summer, uh, now are really, really having problems at the front, injury-wise, and now uh, with the suspension to Nunez. I believe, you know, what we saw when they went down to 10 men was actually... They pushed Mo Salah and Luis Diaz further inside, and both of them were able to find some find some joy in there. You almost mm-hmm. wonder maybe if that's something that Liverpool will try to um, exploit over the next few matches. Um, you know, because there, there is not a recognized center forward right now. If Firmino can't go, there's not a recognized center forward in the squad. Um, so is 4-3-3 going to be the way to go? Whew. I don't really know. That's, that's why they pay Jurgen Klopp the big bucks and not your <laughs> old pal West. Um, but it's going, to be, it's going to be something to see. And, of course, for Liverpool, um, Manchester United is next. Uh, I don't care what United have done so far this season. You know that match is going to be charged. Uh, both teams are a little desperate early in the season for different reasons. Um, you know, Liverpool are desperate to get three points and look to keep pace, at least look to keep a dipping distance of Manchester City. Uh, United are just desperate to do something. Yes. Just literally show a pulse. Um and that's going to be another Monday night football game. Thanks a lot. That really helps me out, but whatever. Um, there are talks of a fan boycott from United fans at this match. You'll remember a season ago, uh, this match was postponed due to fan protests yes. against the Glazers. Um and it, it it certainly sounds like we could get something similar to that again. Um, so that'll obviously offer 
even more intrigue and backdrop to to what is you know still I'd say the fiercest rivalry in potentially in world football, um, and it, it definitely it gives a backdrop to what's going on right now. But um, yeah, I think for Liverpool they can take heart somewhat from the match. Um, they they did look better than they did a week ago against Fulham, and now they just need a few things to go their way. But that that injury bug popping up already, uh, popping up in midfield that that's been a tough place for them. Um, there are reports coming out now that Navi Keita and the club have uh, called off contract extension talks with Keita not happy about his role. All I can say for that is, you know, Navi, I understand, but it'd be nice if you, you know, played matches. Yeah. It'd be a lot easier for you to have a role if you, you know, could make the match day squad and just be fucking hurt all the time. <laughs> you know I me, mean? I'm as big a Navi Kata apologist as there is. Yes, that is Jesus true. Christ. But Jesus Christ, dude, come on. Don't, don't go that route. Oh, the club's not giving me what they promised me. Well, buddy, you haven't exactly given the club what you promised them, which is being available to play matches. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> just something to keep an eye on going forward. Um, unless something changes, I don't expect Liverpool to sign any midfield reinforcements. Um, they have steadfastly stated that they're not going to here in the summer window. They've said for a, for a month now that business is done. And if we've learned one thing from Liverpool, they don't usually deviate from whatever the plan is. But we'll see with that going forward. But uh, the Reds need a win. Good draw for Crystal Palace. Um, I think they'll be very happy to take the point, especially at Anfield. Oh, of course. Uh, Patrick, Patrick Vieira in season two, he, he's doing a pretty damn good job. Mm-hmm. He's doing a pretty damn good job. Um, if he has another solid season, uh, you know, may find his way up the ladder a little more from Crystal Palace. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on in the league, what do we want to talk about next? I've got I've got two two story two matches that just make me a, a giddy schoolgirl. Yes. Um, and then there's the Spurs, um, Tottenham match or Spurs Tottenham. Chelsea. Yeah, uh, the Spurs Chelsea match. Heck, let's go there. Let's talk Spurs Chelsea. Okay. Um, Chelsea suddenly looking like holy crap. We're we're somewhat cognizant that. We have to score goals. We just don't exactly. have any forwards. We just don't have any forwards who can do that. But somebody will find a way to do it. And uh, Kaladu Koulibaly, of course, the center back they bring in, sure. is able to find a goal. Um, big props to Chelsea in the match. I thought they did well. Um, yeah. Spurs found their way back into it, though. Um, and I attribute a lot of that to, um, you know, the, a strong will that's been installed by Antonio Conte 
Um, mm-hmm. Some of some of maybe that the players are just terrified to let him down. <laughs> um, could be. <laughs> I mean, that could definitely be one. Uh, so good on them to get those two late goals to equalize and split the points. Uh, there was uh, moments of massive controversy in this match. Um, the uh, the hair pulling incident that maybe should have negated the the corner that scored the goal for Spurs. Well, um, it was the it was it was the it was the corner before uh, that it happened. So mm-hmm. they so Spurs had a corner where the the incident occurred that was draw, that was saved out of play by uh, by Mendy. And then the resulting corner from that was the one where they actually scored. But go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, and that was it on it. Um, so there were some fireworks in that match. As we, as we well know, this is a match that has a history of fireworks, a history of bad blood. Um, the infamous battle at the bridge uh, that we've talked about at different points uh, during this podcast over the years. Um, it is just one that sticks out in everyone's mind. Um, so this one was, it was testy. It was feisty. It was fun. It was great English football. It was two teams going blood and thunder, um, playing some nice game, playing some nice football, scoring some nice goals. And so, you know, at that point, you know, this goes down as a, a good game. It's somewhat memorable. It's a good game. And then it got real damn memorable during the handshake <clears throat> where Conte and Tuchel got a, got a little overzealous with that handshake, I guess is the way we'll put it. Um, the, the, the strong handshake turned into uh, the two managers having words. Um, they were then separated by assistants and by their players. Uh, they were very unpleased. The straight red card shown for both managers at the end of the match, which you know, here's the kicker that people are glossing over. That means both are unavailable for their team's next match. And that's, that's not a positive really for either side. Um, but you know, end of the day, I think it's a, it, it's, it's a much better result for Spurs considering the fact that you're down 2-0 and you were able to equalize it late. Um, Chelsea felt really hard done after the match. Once again, that hair-pulling incident was uh, was really a big one. Um, I believe on Cucurella, I believe is his name. Um, so, yeah, like I said, Chelsea felt a little hard done. Spurs got to be happy to walk out there with a point after the hole they found themselves in. Uh, so two teams vying for a top-four spot. Um, both often good starts on the season. Uh, decent draw. I don't think either team went home too upset uh, getting a point out of that. And then, oh, and then the two matches that just, mwah, chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. It was a Lampard. It was a Lampard. It was Gerard. It was <laughs> the battle of the former underachieving England midfield. It was Aston Villa versus Everton. Um, and as most everyone figured would happen, Aston Villa coming out, as you said earlier, 2 0, uh, excuse me, 2 1 winners. Um, Everton getting on the board off of the down goal, which is a very Everton way to score your goal. 
Um, Villa, let's start Villa. Good job. Uh, went got the got the win. Got the three points. They needed it, uh, especially after kind of their surprising week one loss to Bournemouth. Everton. Dominic Calvert Lewin out for a month at least. Everton have like no threat up front, which is kind of like it was last year. They had no threat up front. And they I mean, barely every time I look at their lineups, it's just it's just a bunch of also rans from yesterday. Jeez. Yeah, it's like there's some names in there where it's like three or four years ago, if we were just looking at the if we were just looking at the team, we'd be like, oh, okay, solid team. Hey, good job, Everton. Yeah. You know, you guys have put together a good squad. But unfortunately, the reason those guys are at Everton is because they failed in other places. Um, yeah. your your former sports boy, Deli Ali, who just Looks like he's completely lost his way. <laughs> that um, way might be to Turkey now. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I mean, he's just, he's just freaking terrible right now. And that's just that's just what Everton looked like. Uh, Villa, get the win, deserved win, but the story definitely more it is Everton. Um, you know, I, I I thought they wouldn't have an issue really finishing out of the relegation scrap this year. Mm. I may have been so, so wrong with that. They look like relegation fodder right now. I mean, they look absolutely terrible. Yes, things can change, but they need an infusion of talent. They need it now. But the problem is all of the – rumors that I've seen and heard are actually of them losing somebody like an Anthony Gordon, which would be a disaster <laughs> for him at this point. Everton are Everton are going to have a tough season and they're going to be right in that relegation scrap the entire time. Couldn't happen to a nicer bunch of guys. Um, I think there's one more match you want to talk about, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Speaking of relegation, man. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, for the first time since 1936, Manchester United are at the very bottom of the of the uh, English First League, Premier League, whatever table. Um, minus six goal differential, I believe. Uh, five, but yes, minus still five. Okay, the worst. No wins. Four nil loss. To Brentford, of all people. I mean, nothing against Brentford, but I mean, hell, you're Manchester United. You just bought their best player. Exactly. And they just absolutely decimate them. Um, the way United even set up when they get now, I'm not. I'm not ready to write off Eric Ten Hag. By any means, two matches in. Mm-hmm. But so Eric Chen Hogg is supposed to be this genius, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I could have looked at the, at what you knew Brentford was going to start up front with uh, Tony and, God, the other big striker they had. In Buemo. In Buemo. Uh, uh, in Buemo. It, basically, they play a, a very physical, big, up-top style. And you're Manchester United, you start your five-nine center back in Harry Maguire. I mean, that's like a recipe. And your shorter just, center back of Lissandro yeah. Martinez. 
yeah, yeah, you're five foot nine, Lissandro Martinez, center back, and and then just Harry Maguire was just terrible. <laughs> I mean, right there, it's like, oh, did you not realize what Brentford were going to do to you? And apparently United did. And they got absolutely humiliated and absolutely run out of the building. 4 nil. Um, Ronaldo has now apparently been told, if you can find a club, you can leave. Well, here's the problem. I mean, <laughs> that might be has a it kind of hasn't it kind of been that way this year? Um, so now we're sitting on two weeks of transfer window. United are in absolute shambles. Um, that squad is in serious need of a makeover, literally from the front to the back. In the past, we'd be like, "Well, they got to hang." No, De Gea needs to be gone yesterday. The defense needs to be gone yesterday. The midfield's not good enough. The forwards aren't good. No one is good enough right now at United. Um, It's not precision surgery that's needed. It is a complete overhaul of everything at United. You can start with Ten Hag as, okay, we, we think we've got the manager. The playing staff needs to be renovated. The ownership needs to be renovated. Uh, apparently, Elon Musk threw, just threw out a random tweet that he was going to buy United. She that did. would be interesting. Um, the entire uh, management group needs to have an overhaul. Everybody wants to just blame the Glazers, and I understand that's a fun, easy thing to do. But, you know, the way I see it, yeah, the Glazers haven't always put football first. But the Glazers have given them money to spend. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, this it's not like they're like, oh, no, you can't go buy these players. No, they have spent so, – they have wasted so much money over the years. And now it's like United are trying to overpay for guys, and I think players have finally kind of wised up to them, and they're like, nah. I'm good. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I double my salary, but that probably is going to also spill the end of my career. <laughs> so I'm good. Thanks. I'll just stay where I am. United are literally just throwing darts at a board now and hoping somebody will say yes. The latest rumor may be coming up in the in the uh, news and notes. Christian Pulisic may be going on loan. That, that um, feels like a bad move for both sides. Oh, that, yeah, that just feels like it just reeks of desperation. Uh, like you said, for both sides, I can't see that being a great move anywhere. Uh, but Pulisic wants playing time before the World Cup. United needs somebody with a pulse. So, I mean, I don't think you can't make them any worse. We'll put it that way. Probably. Um, but, you know, United just... They're they're expensively assembled. They have they seem to have no heart for going out and putting in the tough work. Uh, this this whole specter of Ronaldo thing. And long may because it is absolutely wonderful. Um, they gave up two in the first match. They gave up four in the second match. Liverpool are scoring eight. You know, for here's the thing as a Liverpool fan, it's almost like 
literally right now you should look at this and be like, oh, this is this should be a good match for Liverpool so they can get some confidence and get things going. Mm-hmm. This is Manchester United. This is the Liverpool-Manchester derby. This is as big as it gets in the world football stage. And for Liverpool, it's like, oh, well, okay. They, they should figure out how to score in this one at least. Yeah. And, and for United, it's just like, oh, yeah, this is going to suck for y'all. I, I mean, United was considered still pretty good last year, and, and we saw how the Liverpool-United matches turned out. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know how these ones are going to go. Well, I'm hoping they're as ugly as people are predicting. <laughs> I, I'd love to somehow get ten hundred five before August. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> um, let me ask you something. Uh, so, Beckelow uh, was uh, a bit not shy about putting her feelings about Manchester United on Instagram, um, and her her suggestion essentially boils down to burn it all down. Play play the academy and see what happens from there and just tell the supporters, hey, things are gonna suck for a while. Sorry, but we have to rebuild. Um, I think this would be a great idea if it was any club but Manchester United. I, I don't think United is capable of going into what we in America would consider like rebuilding mode. Like obviously you can't really tank in the Premier League because if you actually tank like in the States you get relegated and send to the championship. But yeah. th- there is a thing where like so so I understand what she's saying, but I just don't think United can do it. And I don't think United want to do it. And I don't think even if their fans want change, I don't think their fans would stand for it. So I I really don't know what the path is forward here for United. <clears throat> if I was Manchester United and this would just break my fucking heart if they never took my advice and did this, I would open the checkbook one more time and give it to Michael Edwards. And be like, look, it's yours. Fix this shit. <laughs> you know, you're, you're the man. You're in charge. We're not going to fuck with you at all. Fix this. They won't do it, so I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm also thinking Michael Edwards might have enough of that Liverpool grit in him. He's like, I'm like, what a United fuck me. <laughs> um, but man, it's just there is so much from the top down. You know, they can't just they can't. You can't just blow up the playing squad and say, oh, play the kids, because like you said, that that's. That's like the fundamental difference in um, the European leagues and in the United States. You know, here in the U.S., we're like, oh, yeah, just you know, I mean, we're, you can perpetually be the Pittsburgh Pirates if you want. Oh, we're in a rebuild mode. You're always yeah. in a fucking rebuild <laughs> mode. You know, um, you can't do that over there because if you try to go rebuild and it goes wrong, holy shit, you're going down to the championship and. I tell you, if a club like United or Liverpool or Chelsea or Arsenal went down to the championship, I don't know if they'd ever re- truly recover from it. 
you know, because most teams that go down, it's, well, you know, our goal is to get back up and just solidify ourselves in the league. Mm-hmm. For those teams, for those teams, the only goal is to win and win trophies. If you go down, you have just set yourself back so far. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at Everton right now, man. Everton haven't even gone down yet. Yeah. And Everton just cannot get it right. They just can't. And if you go down, I mean, if you go down, you can kind of kiss at least the next decade goodbye. And for United, they can't do that. There's too much money, too much commercial money in there. Um, The fact that They've got a 72,000-seat stadium at Old Trafford that right now they're having trouble getting butts in seats. People are pissed at the ownership. They're pissed with the team on the field. And, and they're just – they're not coming like they did. If you blow it up and put out a bunch of kids, put out the academy kids – because let's put it this way. You know, here, here's the way I see it. People who are always like, oh, you know, think about football. Oh, well, you need to be playing the backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like almost what they're saying. Oh, you need to be playing the kids. Well, here's the thing. If you're the coach and every day you're in training or you're at practice, I mean, do you think like an NFL coach isn't smart enough to be like, hey, you know, oh, a backup. Yeah, you know, let me bring him and he'll win me some football games. Do you think he wouldn't be smart enough to figure that out if that was if it was as easy as, oh, change the quarterback? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Thanks. What an idea. I never could have thought of that myself, says the coach. Um, (laughs) You know, Eric Ten Hag is playing, is putting the absolute best team that he feels he can put on the field for Manchester United. Playing a bunch of 18 and 19 year olds, most of whom aren't ever going to make it anyway. I mean, if they were the best players, he'd play them. I mean, you, you look at you look at Liverpool right now. Uh, Hardy Elliott's one of the best players in the Liverpool side. He's getting played. You know, um, you look around the country. Uh, 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 Cucurella, uh, who just yeah. went to, uh, I mean, he's walked right into this Chelsea side. Why? Because he's that good. You know, it's not like, oh, well, we can't play because he's young. No, nowadays, if you're good enough, you're going to play. So it's not as easy as just saying, oh, just play the kids and rebuild. It, it can't work that way. I would die for it to work for the United. It'd be amazing watching them just free fall and have this kind of a season. But they are not allowed to do that. They can't just say, well, we'll go down to the championship, we'll get things straight, and we'll come back in a year. No. Not an option for those fans and for that the business that is Manchester United. So yeah, it's a fun thing to say. It's a fun idea. Everybody talks about class of 92. Yeah, they had a bunch of young guys, but they also had a bunch of really, really good veterans who had won the lead mm-hmm. on that squad. This United team does not have that group of veterans. You need the savvy group of veterans who can work with those guys and help bring those kids through. If you want to do youth movement, you've got to have the right veterans. And for United, not a chance right now. Yeah, I'm just looking like at their the lineup they trotted out on on uh, the weekend against Brentford. 
and you talk about those veterans. I, I, I don't know who from this list I, I would trust with that. Like, De Gea should be the answer, but as you kind of noted earlier, De Gea kind of sucks now. Um, and he's a like, Yeah. Like, he's would, there would be like maybe Luke Shaw, but Luke Shaw hasn't started off this season super great either. Um, and, and we know Ronaldo's not going to do it, so I, I don't know, man. I don't know. This, this team is a dumpster fire and nobody wants to go there. It's wonderful. I love it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I mean, it looks like now that Rabio has fallen through. Yep. And Rabio <laughs> is like his own personal dumpster fire. Yes. I almost kind of I wanted mean, that to happen. <laughs> even his mom's like, I don't want this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, United are basically offering to, like, pay guys out the ass, and guys are still like, worth it. Uh, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm sure, like, a big part of that is that not having Champions League. Like, right. you, what, you can't pay for that. And also, the trajectory of if, if, you know, you saw, hey, you know, United started off super hot, you know, yeah, I might have to play Europa one year, but... Hey, they they're building back. Looks good. Coach looks like he's in control. They're going to be in the Champions League next year. So yeah, I'll take a flyer on this year and I'll play in the Champions League United next year. Great. It 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 doesn't look like that. I, I mean, again, two two matches into a thirty eight match season, I know, but it it doesn't look like United is on any sort of a positive trajectory at all for the first yeah. two matches. Um, you know, on top of it, you know, people have obviously talked about the the spiraling out of control salaries that footballers are making. But I'll tell you what, man, you know, I think for United, who has shown a willingness to outspend a lot of people, I almost wonder if it's hurting them a little bit that everybody's making huh. money now because... It's like, yeah, you know, come and we can double your salary. And I think for a lot of guys, that is very, um, and it's just my opinion. I think to a lot of that, that's very attractive to a lot of guys. Sure. Yeah. I think a lot of guys also are looking at it now and they're finally looking at it as in, you know, I can make money in a lot of places. Yeah, I might not get paid that much as United's offering me, but man. Can my career afford to go to United and have it all fall apart? Because, you know, if that happens, I might not get that next big contract. Mm -hmm. So I think guys are kind of looking at it now and saying, well, you're not making 100 grand a week here uh, at uh, just say a Brighton or something. Oh, yeah, I'm making 100 grand a week. Um, yeah, United's offered me 150 grand. That'd be nice, but shit, you know, if I keep doing this, maybe I can go somewhere else and make 150 grand a week. Right. And, and you know, maybe play Champions League um, and not be in the middle of this circus. Yeah. It's, it's equal parts, I think, enjoyable. For, well, I, I say I think it's enjoyable for us. I, I know it's incredibly enjoyable for us. This is great. But I don't know about U.S. I also find this somewhat confounding and maddening. Again, 
a lot of enjoyment from this, but, and I, and I don't want really United to get better. Watching them be a trash fire is fun. But at the mm-hmm. same time, I'm like, I look at them like, you're Manchester United. How have you not figured this out yet? What the fuck is wrong with you? Like, get your shit together. Come on. I mean, don't, because it's fun, but come on. Yeah. Like, uh, that's why I think it's so much fun to talk I about mean, them. And I mean, you just, you look at like what it's doing the guys' careers right now in legacies. I mean, Harry Maguire was a, you know, a few years ago, you know, Harry Maguire was a really well thought of, you know, England international. Oh, yeah. Had a great last World Cup and European Championship. And now Harry Maguire is literally a walking joke. Yep. I mean, he is a punchline, is all he is. Um, Jaden Sancho, 18 months ago, was like one of the hottest young talents in world football. Made the huge move. He's got like three goals and three assists for United. Mm-hmm. I mean... Um, uh, uh, Marcus Rashford two years ago was this up and coming, you know, superstar in the making. And now like they're talking show. about, like, yeah, now they're talking about, like, well, we might have to move him out because we don't know if we can, we don't know if we can rehab him and fix him. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Mason Greenwood is a special case um, because that's something that occurred off the field. You can't put that on the club at all. That's, sure. Yeah. That's a stupid person making a stupid, a bunch of stupid mistakes. But unfortunately for United, that was a guy that they had put, I think they had put a lot of uh, eggs in the basket of the Rashford-Greenwood partnership. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I mean, one off-field, one on-field, it has just crumbled. It has completely crumbled. You know, that was going to be the youth movement. Um, it was them. It was uh, Jaden Sancho. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and that's the other thing with you know, kind of the eye roll I have with what Rebecca Lowe says. Oh, just play the kids. They tried to do that. That was their plan. Was we're going to build around this youth. We're going to build around these early twenties guys, and they're going to come together. And you know, we're going to have we're going to have the most badass front line in England. And, and but, you know, let's also remember, this isn't FIFA. This isn't football manager. This isn't just, oh, well, you know, everything will work out because these guys have shown great promise when they're 19. Everything's fine. Everything's going to work out. That's not how it always goes. Um, for every Wayne Rooney, there's 30 guys who were the next Wayne Rooney who it didn't work out mm-hmm. for. Every kid who comes up and is a wonder kid at 17, <clears throat> more of them flame out by the time they're 20 than make it. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for Manchester United, that's what it looks like is happening. Um, <clears throat> and then on top of it, they've got bad veterans. They've got a toxic locker room. And then, like we said, everything with the ownership and everything with the managing group it's just right now there's nothing going right for Manchester United. Nothing is going right for them. And um, when 
everything's going wrong at once, that's when that's when catastrophes happen. And that's what it seems like United's in the middle of right now is just a catastrophe. Well, we'll and, wrap up our and, oh, and, and 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 now you get to play Liverpool, so <laughs> now you get to play a piss a pissed off wounded Liverpool, so yeah, good luck with that, guys. Um I was gonna say we we can wrap up our United discussion. I wanna ask you one final question. Mm-hmm. I have seen some of the 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 bookmakers over in England uh already doing early payouts on on Eric Ten Hag being being fired before the end of the season. Do you think Ten Hag makes it through the season as man, manager of Manchester United? I think he does. Okay. Un- the only way I see it happening is if something monumentally bad happens. If they if they come back from the World Cup and they're in the relegation zone and can't find a way out of it, then maybe you do have to do something. But for everything that United have invested in Eric Ten Hag, you know you gotta remember they hired Ten Hag like two months before the season ended last mm-hmm. year. Uh, you know, they courted Ten Hag for months. That was a long, that was a long play. And that was like really the only long play that United have done that turned out the way they wanted it to, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, was to get Eric Ten Hag, bring him in. You know, he he's supposed to revolutionize how they play. He's supposed to be part of building that youth system much like he did it. Um, once again, unless something just monumentally is going wrong, I'm not talking about them being in ninth or 10th in mm-hmm. March. I'm talking about if they're sitting like 17th in March or something. Mm-hmm. Anything, in, anything that doesn't involve them getting relegated, I think United, I think United upper management are almost willing to take a hit for a season. Okay. Um, and it's just because they've invested so much in Ten Hag. And another thing, I think, as long as he doesn't turn it into a media circus around him, like you think about no. like. The shit Mourinho pulled. Yeah. I mean, you think about that's really what got Mourinho fired more than anything was just Josie doing Josie shit. Mm-hmm. And, and Ten Hogs not there again. Um he's not the media, you know, marionette that Josie thought he was. <laughs> and you know, I, I Ten Ten Hogs not gonna go and blast ownership to the media. Um, sure. So I, I think Tim Holly definitely is going to to try to get things fixed and turned around. That said, I think definitely starting next season, Tim Hog will be under a ton of pressure to turn things around and turn around quickly. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I'm, I think I'm most now curious just to see how they deal with Ronaldo. I think that's the biggest thing going forward that we'll have to watch. 
um, because that that could be a very big distraction if he's not able to move. Um, and we'll have to see how Ten Hog works around that if if it happens. Um, but hey, another week's coming up. Another week to talk about United, surely. Um, this Saturday, things get started off. For Tottenham versus Wolves. Ooh. 10 a.m. you get the uh, uh, cho- uh, choices of Everton versus Nottingham Forest. Mm. Nottingham Forest licking their lips right now. Uh, okay. 10 a.m. you get Leicester versus Southampton. Palace versus Villa. Fulham versus Brentford. Then at 12.30 it's the Bournemouth Cherries versus Arsenal. On Sunday it's Leeds versus Chelsea at 9 along with West Ham versus Brighton. Then 11.30 it's Newcastle versus Sita. And then at Monday on 3 o'clock, Monday Night Football on NBC Sports. It is that match at Old Trafford. United versus Liverpool. It could be a red wedding for some people. So we will we will see. Check back in next week for how that one played out. Uh, early look at the table. Uh, City and Arsenal right now, the only team's perfect. They are both at six points. Brentford, Spurs, Newcastle, Leeds, Chelsea, and Brighton all at four. Uh, Villa, Forest, Bournemouth at three, Liverpool and Fulham at two, <laughs> Wolves, Leicester, Palace, and Southampton at one. And at the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone, Everton, West Ham, Manchester United, all in zero points. Say it again. Say it again, Adrian. Uh, I, I don't... I wonder if you, if you hold a thousand people, if you poll 10,000 people, would any one of them had put those three at the bottom to start two weeks into the season? I don't think so, but I don't know. Maybe I don't, Everton. I don't believe so. Oh, yeah, Everton probably. Um, I'm going to tell you, West Ham, in defense, in mild defense of West Ham, um, they did start off with a, a pretty brutal early start to their season. Now, the Nottingham Forest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they weren't expecting that, but I mean, I don't think anyone was expecting them to beat City to open the season. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. So, all right, you know, okay. Um, but the Nottingham Forest one was a stunner. West Ham need to get their shit together. They need to do it quick. Um, but in, I do find it interesting that the bottom three are all three David Moyes on the Premier League clubs. <laughs> Moyes, you know. <clears throat> Moisey's bottom three. Oh no! I am. Oh, I, I love that. I love that. That just came to mind as a thought. That's a, goodness. A bottom um, three sponsored by David Moyes. <laughs> as we look uh, a little bit at the transfer market right now, still some things going on. Um, that includes uh, Issa Diop leaving West Ham for Fulham. Uh, Malang Sar leaving Chelsea to Monaco on loan. Uh, we also have uh, Emmanuel Dennis joining not not enforced as well as long as uh, as well as Chick Kuyate. Not enforced literally cannot stop spending money this offseason, I guess. Um, for certain, Lo Celso is going out on loan to Villarreal. Probably that's where he'll be ending up permanently. Uh, but they do bring in temporarily. Destiny is Destiny Udogi uh, coming in from Udinese out of Syria. 
He is going back there on loan for the rest of the season, so he will be staying there. But again, another 19-year-old uh, left back coming in to the Tottenham fold. Um, also, uh, big news coming out in the last day, uh, Sergio Gomez joining Manchester City from Anderlecht uh, coming over on a transfer. Um, so we are, we are getting close to the end of the transfer window. And uh, yeah, th- these were some of the big ones that have happened last week. But obviously, the big news is still, and as we mentioned earlier, it, it's just going to be where does Ronaldo end up? Does does he stay at United or does he does he end up going somewhere else? Most anticlimactic end of all, he stays at United because nobody else wants him. Very true. Yeah. Um. Any and, other any other they, transfers you're all, looking at? They, I was just saying, then they can all get relegated together. Um, yes. Ah, man, what else is going on out there right now? Um. A lot of the big moves have happened. Uh, mm. Good for Barcelona. They were able to uh, register their players. Good job, Barcelona. Amazing. They flipped the fourth, the fourth lever. Let's flip. <laughs> uh, sounds like some shit from like Star Wars or something. Flip the yeah. fourth lever. <laughs> Bullshit. Bullshit's what it is, but whatever. Um, uh, I think really just the big question marks out there right now. You know, Liverpool have said they're not going to make any moves. Will they break down and make a move if one comes up for them? Uh, United are desperately seeking something. I don't even know what the hell they're looking for anymore. They're just looking for something that works. Chelsea, will they go out and get a striker? Um Folks, as happens every year, Alvaro Morata is available for loan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just the more things change, the more they stay the same. Morata's available to go somewhere. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, as far as transfers, it, it, nothing, nothing imminent. Uh, you know, Polisic is Polisic going to move? Is the big one uh, right now, especially. United States related, um, but it's more just open ended. You know, are these teams going to be able to make moves that they desperately mm-hmm. need to happen? Yeah, it's it's going to be crazy. I'm I'm really interested in the Pulisic one, just because again, I as we mentioned, I, I don't think it's good for him to move to United, even if he's trying to get minutes. I, I think I would rather see him go literally anywhere else uh even if it meant leaving the premier league um if that's if he has to go to syria the bundesliga i i just think united is an absolute dumpster fire and it's only gonna make things worse um just just because i don't trust that he's he's gonna come in as a false savior and just he he's not that kind of player so I really don't want to see that happen. But he wants to go. I guess you can go. Um, so that is the transfer market. Uh, a couple good stories uh, coming out uh, as from news and notes. Um, James Pierce uh, on this one. Liverpool's slow starts explained rotation, concentration, organization, and expectation. Um, 
a very uh, sort of interesting statistic coming out that now include because this was written, uh, I believe. Oh, this was written after. It's written after the the palace match. I don't actually know if it was. Um, I believe now Liverpool have conceded first in eight of their nine matches. Um, and yet I believe the only one of those they lost was the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like on one hand, you you have the quote unquote mentality monsters of oh it doesn't matter we will we will find a way to equalize at the worst and and win it at the best, <laughs> and on the other hand you're like yeah but why does it keep happening why do you keep giving up goals mm-hmm. to start with mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so uh, so James Pierce does a a great dive into it uh, a a. a not uncommon at all. A prickly response from Klopp to one question like that starts off the article. Um, but yeah, Wes, I just I find this fascinating that a team as good as Liverpool just just can't stop in the in the last you know you know two months I guess of actual play just can't stop giving up first goals. Yeah, sadly that's kind of been our jam recently. <laughs> is going behind and then, you know, having to claw your way back into matches. Um, <clears throat> I don't know what it is, because this, like, like like the man said, this was cropping up near the end of last season. Um, yeah. Honestly, the one thing that I can think of was really this seemed to start right around the time that Fabinho picked up his injury late last season. Mm. Um, and needless to say, through two matches this season, Fabinho has not been good. So I wonder if maybe that's got something to do with it. Uh, Fabinho notoriously it usually takes him a few matches back to get himself um back up to full fitness and back to some form, and uh, hopefully it'll hit starting on Monday. But uh. I mean, I wonder if that's got something to do with it. But Liverpool have definitely uh, been conceding first way too much. And it's not that you can't find your way back. But, man, it it gets old after a while, and it just gets hard after a while. And I I would much rather on Monday night go and be four up on United in 35 minutes. Oh, of course. (laughs) Uh, like Brentford, and not have to sit there and sweat an entire game in the gym. So mm-hmm. uh, let's see if they can get things changed. Um, in Klopp, we trust. We always have. Why stop now? Um, I do think one thing interesting, and it's it's kind of mentioned in this article, at least from last year's standpoint, is or last year, last season's standpoint, is they were coming off, you know, essentially said they played the max number of matches. I- I believe it was 64, 66, 63, I think 63. So it's not shocking that maybe towards the end of the season, legs are a little bit more tired, you know, not being able to come out of every game fresh and, and really get started the right way. So I I do kind of understand that it's, it's a little bit more surprising that it's kept going into this season. And I, and I do think you bring up some good points. I think the article brings up some good points. Um, but that is something like Liverpool are very mentally strong. 
but I don't think you can keep doing this forever without really dropping matches. <laughs> so at some point you have to figure out how to not concede first. And I believe Liverpool will, but it is it is very interesting all of a sudden that this is this is kind of cropped up here. Um our only other sort of article from news and notes uh that we have is from uh let me pull this back up here. Joey DeUrso, who traveled to all eight World Cup 2022 stadiums. Uh, and is reporting back on what fans can expect in November. The answer is fans, because it's going to be hot as balls. So, hey, at least it seems like they got the air conditioner working. So that's that's something, I guess. I mean, I'm still excited for the World Cup, but again, I can't believe it's in fucking November. And hey, it's going to start a day later than we all thought it was, or a day earlier than we all thought it was going well, to. So, well, that should help. Yeah, there you go. I just, I still can't believe I, saw, I kept seeing those articles pop up. Like, well, you know, now we, we we need to move the schedule because you know, typically the the World Cup host has played on the first day. I'm like, motherfuckers, you've been planning this for how long, and you just now realized a hundred days out. Oh, oops, you know, uh, mm, kind of messed up the schedule on that. Guess we biffed it. Like, Jesus Christ, this has been a disaster. An absolute shambles of a World Cup, and it hasn't even happened yet. I'm sure FIFA don't really care, though. So, that's great. Good for you, FIFA. <laughs> that's, mm, you're not wrong. Um, so now comes the part where we pimp out the, not, not pimp out the athletic, we're not I guess putting it on a street corner. Uh, we pimp the athletic. We put, prop it up. So Wes, what have you been reading in the week that was from the athletic? Gamers, bitches, best be wearing jimmies. I'm sorry. <clears throat> anyway, a few stories from the athletic this week. Um, and I believe you. You just. You were just talking about the Qatar, um, the uh, exploring uh, Qatar's eight World Cup stadiums and what fans can expect in November. Uh, mm-hmm. Interesting read, as you said, you know, nice, nice. Just look in, see what we're see what we got going on here, because, um, you know, kind of like you said, this is going to be unprecedented. This is going to be an event like no other uh, for, for good or bad. Mm hmm. It's gonna be an event like no other. So, um, yeah. Uh, Andy Stables and Ari Wasserman, because we Andy love. Hope for college footballs, hopefully not hopeless. How long suffering teams can get over the hump? Those two go in and they break down teams like Kansas, uh, teams like Arizona, Vanderbilt. Oof. The teams Ooh. who, yeah, yeah, that, that's the uh, that's what you usually get when you think of those teams. Is, oh, ah, here's the Duke Blue Devils, the <laughs> Indiana Hoosiers, uh, Northwestern, and yeah, these are like all places you got in the college, right? Nebraska. Is James oh, Franklin still the coach at Northwestern? No, James Franklin's at Penn State. Oh shit, that's right. Never mind. Pat Pat Fitz, Pat. Fitzgerald is the longtime now coach at Northwest. That's right. My bad, guys. So James Franklin was at Vanderbilt, though. So oh, James that's Franklin, right. Yeah. That, that's right. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was that was the nerd school that he was at was Vanderbilt, um, and, and had back to back nine win seasons at Vandy. So very true. Yeah, yeah. So that's James Franklin. Um, so check that one out. And last but not least, so this one I was I was thinking we were going to get a little something different in it, but man, okay. this was a really interesting article. Uh, Chris Camrani wrote it and dropped earlier today. Jake Plummer wants to live forever. Okay. I'm sure it, that is a name that you have probably not heard in quite a while. Very uh, true, Jake the Snake. Yeah, Jake the Snake. Jake Plummer uh, was last playing football for the Denver Broncos. Uh, of course, he made his legend um, really at Arizona State back in the mid-90s, um, almost, almost agonizingly closely led them to a – an almost Rose Bowl win over Ohio State. They fell short, uh, literally ran out of time before uh, they could get it. I believe they were inside like the 10-yard line and just ran out of time. Um, Jake Plummer was always an interesting cat, to say the least. And now in his post-football life, he is 47 years old, which just makes me feel just horribly, horribly old. Uh... Um, because as a kid, I remember watching Jake Plummer, uh, you know, playing for Arizona State, uh, play with Pat Tillman, that group. Um, mm-hmm. He has gotten into uh, mushroom farming. And uh, not only that, a company, it's an interesting read. They go into things um, about how they believe that uh, uh, mushrooms can hold the key to um, more natural medicine. Uh, possibly can hold the key to uh, helping CTE symptoms in the future, which, of course, is a big buzzword right now, CTE, around the football mm-hmm. community. Um, j- just a lot of interesting things. And they didn't really talk very much football in there. Um, but talking about just where Jake Plummer is now, how he feels, um, it was just it was an interesting catch-up with – with a really, really interesting cat. Uh, so if you want something a little different on your athletic feed, check it out and check out what Jake Plummer's up to now. Um, there are some things where, you know, if they, if they can come off, you know, it could really help change some lives for the better. Fascinating, actually. Wow. This is, this is actually kind of crazy. Wow. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting, fun story. So, huh, 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 huh. Very, very interesting. Um, so I have a couple stories. Um, first one, uh, David Ornstein's weekly column. Uh, I actually believe this was from last week, and I think I just saved it. Um, since we didn't do a podcast together last week, uh, Ornstein, uh, Barcelona threatened legal action over Frankie De Jong contract. Because, oh my God, is that another beautiful shit show for for Barcelona and Manchester United? Just, chef's kiss. Because again, why would De Jong want to go to United? Think, what possible reason could he have for that? So, and then of course there's the whole thing about also wanting to get still get paid what he thinks he should be getting at Barcelona. So it's 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 just wonderful, wonderful stuff. Couldn't happen to two better clubs, to be perfectly honest. Oh. Um, and then this was, this was, I think, 
another fascinating article. And and somehow Wes and I have both done two NFL adjacent stories this week. Um, <laughs> this one from Joe Varden. To save NFL's Hall of Fame weekend in Canton, it took a village. Um, and essentially, Canton, where the NFL Hall of Fame is, essentially is trying to put together a giant sort of complex of restaurants and a water park and a whole bunch of stuff around the football field where they play the Hall of Fame game every year in Canton, Ohio, as well as have the actual Pro Football Hall of Fame. Because apparently Canton is, I'm sorry for anyone who lives in Canton, kind of a shithole. So there was talk. It is Ohio. That's that's a good point. Um, there was a little bit of talk about moving the Hall of Fame, at least the ceremony, out of Canton on a rotating basis where one year it would be there and then one year it would be somewhere like New York or L.A. or another N- actual NFL city. So there's this is an article describing the links that the people of Canton and the own business group who developed this project to Canton at Canton have gone through to, uh, to get this thing off the ground. And there is... Oh boy, is it a story. A lot of a lot of money going into this. A lot, a lot of money. So uh yeah, go check that out. It is another fascinating deep dive from the athletic. Um immaculate story. Um okay. About going to do it. We still do have one more segment though, Wes. It's the watch for what have you been watching in the week that was or the week that will be? I've got you one, man. I have got one for you people at home. Now, if 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 we had done a show last week, this would have been my watch for. But okay. it's so good. I have held on to it for an extra week. Folks, fire up that Hulu. Whether it be right. your Hulu or your co-host Hulu who lets you borrow it when you let them borrow uh, your, uh-huh. I think, ESPN or whatever we're doing now. Uh, Crazy that I don't know where you're getting that from, but that that's such a weird hypothetical to have. Seriously, however you get the Hulu, you need to watch the movie Prey, and I don't mean uh, Prey as in put your hands together and speak to oh, the Lord above. Oh, I'm talking about I'm talking about the Predator prequel the newest movie in the Predator franchise. And by God, don't let me be blasphemous here since I've spoken about the good Lord above. This may be the best out of all the Predator movies. And that includes the original 1987 starring Arnold and Jesse the Body Ventura. I've heard a lot of people say it is at the very least the best one since the first one. Yeah. Um... And I will tell you this, I mean, as a standalone movie, <clears throat> dude, it's a, it's a pretty damn good movie. Um, it, it's got, it's got just enough, it's got enough action without being like just campy and ridiculous. Um, the, the cinematography in it is really good. Um, there's some really nice sweeping shots. So, not to not not to get too into depth on anything here because honestly I can talk Predator for a long time. <laughs> I own two T-shirts that say I I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> so 
<laughs> I love Jesse Ventura so much in that movie. It's just, it's insane. Uh, but basically, um, the the original Predator movie took time took place in modern day, which at that point was the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, the Predator, we find out, comes to Earth. Um, it's this race of like alien warriors. They come to Earth um, to basically hunt. Um, mm-hmm. And what we found out is that they hunt the other hunters. Um, you know, they don't go after just you know random innocent people. They they go after people who um, have the capacity to try to fight back. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would happen then. There have been other iterations in the franchise. Um, Danny Glover was immaculate in Predator 2, which was a terrible movie, but Danny Glover was just awesome in it. Um, but in this one, it takes place. We go, we go way back in time, which is the first time we've gone back in time. It's 1715 or 1719. I can't remember which. Uh, we are on the Great Plains. Uh, we have a Native American tribe. Uh, we have French Canadian trappers. Uh, they're just, oh, they're just horrible, horrible people in it. Um, it is it is really well done. It's really well put together. I mean, to me, it's it's a good movie. I mean, just outside of oh, I love Predator. It's a good movie, and I'm hoping that they keep up with it now because I think. Um, I think there's some really cool places that they can go with it at this point. Um, but, you know, the first one was a little more campy because, once again, it was an 80s Arnold action movie. Um, but I'm going to tell you, this was a pretty good daggle just standalone movie. If you ever wanted to begin the franchise with this, this would have been a good movie, I think, to get people into a franchise. I, I do think there's a, there's that's interesting. That would be an interesting concept to do almost predator mm-hmm. through the ages um, yeah. and go into different time periods. Like you could go into, I'm thinking of like you know, maybe the Italian Renaissance and, and maybe oh, go yeah. through Europe um, or go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh no, no, I'm agreeing with you. I mean, yeah, there, you know, um, <laughs> apparently there had been, plans back in the day to do like um a world war one era predator movie and mm-hmm. a world war two era predator and they had been scrapped i mean you know me, i love i love my 1900s wars <laughs> um so i'd be 100 i just say it is something to build off of um you know because i think it, it worked out just really well with this group it worked out really well um did you watch in the normal language or did you watch with subtitles? Uh, no, I just watched it. So, <clears throat> I mean, they spoke English in it. Okay. The version I watched, they were speaking English in it. Okay. I think, because I think I saw somebody say there is a version where they actually yes. speak in Tagalog and then it's English yes. subtitled. Yes, um, because um, they were up there, uh, a tribe, it's the Comanche tribe. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I guess they speak in whatever the Comanche language is. I'm not going to attempt to say I know that. So, 
Uh, but yeah, I just went ahead and watched it in the regular mm-hmm. old English because I didn't want to have to read. That's fair. That's fair. You you are you are a dubs <laughs> over subs kind of guy. We all know that. Uh, so. um so we have finally finished bob's burgers uh we have not watched them yet we have finished now all 12 seasons of bob's burgers wow um and i won't spoil anything but there may be an episode that devotes a little bit of time to something you just talked about in its own special way um um, and they may have done their final episode of season 12 over two parts as essentially a just a complete homage to blade runner which was really interesting so they, they 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 go for it sometimes they really really go for it sometimes um but yeah so that is done um Trying to think if we've started anything new or are going to continue anything new. Oh, we are we have we are catching up on the Owl House now that season two is is complete. Uh, I believe there's still one more season. Um, for those of you who've not seen it, go watch the Owl House. It's really good, really, really fucking good show, man. I can't believe they fucking canceled it. Fuck you, Disney Plus. But uh. Yeah, Dana Terrence and the Owl House crew. You at least at least through the 18 episodes we have seen of season two. Really good show. Really good. It's almost as good as it. Um, I was about to say Adventure Time. Adventure Time was also really good. Um, but I meant Gravity Falls. Gravity Falls and Advent uh the Owl House, two just standout shows on Disney Plus. Very well done, very well done. So that is that is that is a show that really knows how to make a cliffhanger to the point where one name producer Jackie uh I I it was the other night we were watching we watched one episode she's like you know I think we should go to bed I'm like yeah can we do one more episode she's like all right fine we'll do one more episode and we did the one more episode and that episode and she's like there's no no we can't end on this one keep going we we got to keep going man <laughs> all right we'll we'll go another episode so very good show. Very good. Awesome stuff. All right. That is going to do it, though, for this edition of the Foreign Affair Podcast. Episode 427 is now in the books. And as always, you can find us on our podcast providers, including Anchor, which is powered by Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can also find us on the social media as a collective on Twitter. We are at AFA Pod. Wes, you are. I'm at Wes Bradshaw 21. I'm at Edward Green. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, YouTube via our parent show, The All New Sports Show, and you can email us at allnewsportshow at gmail.com. So that is going to do it. We'll be back next week to talk week three of the Premier League. Um, <clears throat> Got to look something up, actually, real quick. When is the Champions League draw? Because oh. uh, I, I think the playoff is about done, if I'm not mistaken uh the champions of groups in august 25th so literally the day after we podcast next week great that's what we do we will have we will addendum okay (laughs) we will addendum
<laughs> oh, you UEFA, you fuckers. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, catch that next week. But before we get out of here, Wes, anything else you want to add? Well, Ed, only the most important thing in the world, and that's that high school football season starts hey. this Friday. Hey. And that... And that I uh, shall be returning after after my uh, after my retirement. I'm coming out of retirement. <laughs> oh, so long! It was such a long retirement. I missed absolutely zero games. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Coming out of retirement uh, and uh, re-debuting and re-debuting for. Um, the WHIG TV high school football game of the week, and I have a I have a I have a, uh, a a color commentator this year. I'm getting headsets, Ed. Headsets, oh. I say. What? Uh, Wadi is my camera guy, and I've got headsets. Wow, it's it's been a while since you've had a headset. It's been a while since I had a headset. I'm really excited about the headset. <laughs> <laughs> I really am. That sounds like stupid. I'm really excited about that. <laughs> I, I understand so, uh, completely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really excited. So, um, yep, yeah, uh, Rocky Mount Tarboro Friday night, uh, as as per usual in Eastern North Carolina football season. Uh, th- this week has been absolutely. Stunning outside. It has. Uh, it really has. So, so eighty percent chance of rain on Friday, of course. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. perfect. Just, just, wow, chef's kiss. Just perfection. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, bud, good time. So, I look forward to getting struck by lightning on Friday. And the <laughs> by the oh, way, yeah, the last you got to do it on top of the thing. <laughs> oh yeah, and by the way, the last time I did Rocky Mountain Northern, uh, I did Rocky Mountain Tarboro at Tarboro. Um, it got rained on. I don't think I've ever been rained on so hard in my life. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I am completely ready for anything that's coming my way. I have a raincoat now that I'll take with me. And, um, yeah, man. But, hey, football's back. I'm always excited that football's back. There you go. That's That's the important part right there. So that is going to do it then for my call in crime, Wes Bradshaw. I am Edward Green. Thank you so much for joining us here this week on the podcast. Until next week, everyone, please stay safe and enjoy the football. And good night, Manchester and the blue side of Mersey. Oh, you guys sleep tight as you prop up the Premier League from the bottom of the table. They they are the vax which the rest of the Premier League currently sits. <laughs> that is true. Oh, they are they are the pillars of this.